Hi, everyone, and welcome to today's episode. And it's going to be an interesting episode because I'm going to focus on a emerging trend that's probably sure affecting quite a lot of listeners. And I don't think there's any good advice on it anywhere that I've seen. So based on the questions we get and so on, I think that people, especially applicants, need to understand more about this process. And of course, referring to online degrees, right? So how to handle them, how do firms view them and so on. So before I get into the discussion of online degrees, I want to point out that this is not new. So this is going to surprise many people because you're going to think, well, online degrees weren't in vogue. Well, you could argue they're not even in vogue today, but they weren't that prominent a decade ago. So why does Michael say it's not new? Well, it's not new because we've had correspondent schools. Before the internet allowed you to attend classes in a group setting, watching a professor online, watching videos, you could go through correspondence colleges. And there were a lot of them, and there still are many correspondence colleges. So online is just a different evolution of a correspondence college. You could argue it's better, there's better learning opportunities, there's better teaching. Yeah, it is better, but it's still a correspondence college. Now, before I get into how to handle it, I just want to give you some feedback based on clients. One of the very first clients Firms Consulting had, which must have been about seven, six years ago, was a female in an emerging markets office in, I'm not going to say the continent because it'll be easy to find this lady, but it was in, just to say an emerging markets office. She had a correspondence degree in mathematics, I think, and statistics and so on from a correspondence university. She would work during the day and she would study at night. That lady, very nice lady, joined McKinsey and today she's a principal at the firm. So she's a non-equity partner, also known as a junior partner, but she's a partner. I'm pretty sure she'll become a director and she'll have a very bright, promising career. So clearly with a correspondence degree slash online degree, you can get in to McKinsey. That's the point I'm trying to make here. And you can be very successful as well. So she has a correspondence degree, not even online, a correspondence degree from a school that's ranked. Look, this school may not even be ranked. In her country, it's not ranked in the top 20. Her country is not the most elite environment for higher education. So globally, it's definitely not in the top 1,000. It may not even be in the top 10,000. So she went to a school, studied by correspondence that's unranked globally, and she got into McKinsey and she's now about to become a director. So it can happen, right? But let's not talk through about what this means. How does it mean for you if you have an online degree? Firstly, let's just explain what online means because it means different things. Online is the evolution of correspondence universities. It's basically, it's correspondence 2.0, if you want to call it that. As humans, we like to give new names to things to show progress, but it's still the same thing. It's a correspondence university with technology. Now, before you say that, well, you know, prestigious schools don't have correspondence universities, well, they do. Every executive program is correspondence-based. Now, schools are very careful about this. They don't like to use the word correspondence because it has a negative connotation and it's been used for many years. So to make it seem new, they give it a new name. First, they called it correspondence. Then they called it online, evening classes, part-time MBA, a weekend MBA, executive MBA. It's all the same thing, right? You do most of your classes by yourself. You sometimes come to campus and you can watch lectures online. That's a correspondence university. You can call it whatever you want, but that's what it is. Now, 
I think we've agreed that any school where you don't have to be there full time is a correspondent slash online university, right? So if you are doing a part-time MBA at Kellogg, you're in a correspondence program. It doesn't sound nice to say it, but that's what it is. It may not be a 100% online degree, but it's an online degree. But even if it's not a 100% online degree, it's a correspondence program. Because every correspondence program that I've ever seen, you need to go to campus for a few things. There's always a component where you have to attend at least an exam in some center. Obviously, MBA programs require you to attend more classes online, but whether you attend 10% online, 5%, you're doing the bulk of it via correspondence and online. So what I'm trying to get to show you here is that what I hope you see is that don't feel bad if, you've done a, if you're doing a correspondence degree or online program. Most elite schools have some component of that. You shouldn't feel bad about it. It's not an inferior degree. I mean, come on. Some of us can't attend classes full time. To be fair, if I hadn't won some amazing scholarship that bought me a laptop, paid for my travel, gave me money for food and clothing, I would have likely have had to stolen money or have gone to a correspondence school. I don't look good in a prison uniform, so stealing was out of the question. But you would have to be in via correspondence. And the workforce is changing where correspondence slash online programs become more popular. I don't think they're becoming better. They've always been good. It's just that they were not looked upon very strongly. I don't think they're becoming better. I think they've always been good. As evidenced by this lady we got into McKinsey, is our principal and will become a director. So definitely don't feel bad about it, right? Now, I've explained to you how online is not new. It used to be called correspondence. Every program that's an executive or not a full-time program is some combination of correspondence and online. Whether it's Wharton, whether it's Kellogg, doesn't matter what the prestige of the school is. If you strip it away to what it is, it's correspondence with a degree of online. Now, what you have to think about here is not whether or not you're a correspondence or online school. To ask yourself two important questions. First question is, is your brand of your school positioned as online and correspondence? That's the first question. So, for example, you could be at... Um, doing a, a Kellogg executive MBA program, which is, I think, I don't know. I mean, the numbers may be a bit off, but it may be 70, 80, 90% correspondence. But the Kellogg brand is not positioned as correspondence online. It's positioned as just Kellogg. On the other hand, you could be at a school that has the same amount of time that's spent online and correspondence and the same amount of time where you're in class, but it's positioned as an online or correspondence school. So you see that it's not about what you actually do, it's how you're positioned. And if you are positioned as an online school, then you will face some trouble. But I'll explain to you how to deal with that in a second, right? So you gotta think about the positioning of your school. Not, don't get into debates about, oh, I'll explain to the person it's not primarily online. It doesn't matter, they don't know you. They don't trust you. You have a bias to make yourself sound good. It doesn't matter what you say, it matters what's the branding of the school. Right. First question, what is the brand positioning of my school? Second, if your school is positioned as online, what is the brand power of the school name? Because, for example, if you are doing a Kellogg online degree, for most people, Kellogg's a powerful brand. So the power of the Kellogg brand lifts up the online component. First question, let's go back to it. Let's assume you are doing a degree at a school that is known as an online program. So you're positioned as an online program, which is bad. Then your school has a very weak brand name and it pulled it even further down. 
If your school is positioned as an online program, not so good. But if it's attached to a powerful school, it pulls it up a little bit. Right. Now, unfortunately, many of you have already paid a lot of money. You already have your degrees. So the question becomes, and of course, even if you haven't done all of that, sometimes circumstances means you have to do certain things. This is how you handle the situation if you are in a correspondence program and you are doing an online program. You need to have stellar credentials. And I mean, the grades have to be blistering. If you have poor grades in a positioning of a school online correspondence that is seen as weaker and in a brand of a school that is weak, you have no hope. You need to have good grades. Now, there are unique situations here where a weak grade can be compensated. And I explained that in a different podcast. I think it's the one about how to join McKinsey if you have a 2.18 GPA. But the, the situation is different. It won't apply here. And you can need to listen to that podcast to know why. But starting point is you need to have stellar grades. The second thing is you have to write in the dense fact style that we teach in TCO. Because even if you went to a school that may not be well known or known for correspondence, but if people look at your resume and say, hey, this is a resume of achievement and accomplishment that I can understand very clearly. Let's speak to them. If people can see that, they will want to speak to you. And this is very important. This is super important. We've taken resumes from state schools, online programs, as I've mentioned to this lady. And if you write in this dense, rich, fact-rich style, your resume becomes attractive to people. Now, everyone who joins the program always thinks their resume is written well. And everyone who's ever been in the program knows I've rewritten their resumes extensively. So if you're sitting there and you may be in Wharton or Kellogg or somewhere else and you're thinking, well, the career office is happy with this and my friends are happy with this. I can tell you right now it's not good enough. You have to adjust your resume. Super important, adjust your resume, right? Because at the end of the day, when you submit your application, all they're going to assess you on is your resume. You're not going to be there to explain anything to them. Resume is important. You don't have the grades, game over if you went to a correspondence school or online school. It doesn't matter whether you graduated with a doctorate. It doesn't matter if you were studying the most advanced program the school offered. Your grades are going to matter here. Three, and the three is a bit of a counterintuitive insight. I spoke about how you have to see whether your school is positioned as online or correspondence. That's one. Then you have to look at the brand power of the school because if you have a powerful brand, it pulls up things. If you have a weaker brand, it pulls it down. The third thing is you have to determine if your school's well-known at all. Let me explain to you why this is important. If you're, let's assume you go to a correspondence school, but no one has ever heard of the school. All they can assess you on is your resume, your grades, your achievements. And then what happens is your grades and achievements cast a halo effect over the school. If on the other hand, you go to a school that's well known as a correspondence school, that casts a slightly negative halo effect over the rest of your resume. When we're dealing with clients who go to schools that are not well known, while it seems like a disadvantage, it's only a disadvantage if you are using the halo of your school to support your application. If you are using the halo of a well-written resume and strong grades, then a fairly unknown school is an advantage to you. That's an important insight to remember. Because most people think about this. They go to a strong school, so the halo effect of the school brand name casts a positive glow over everything else. In the absence of the powerful halo of the school name, you still need a positive glow, but it needs to come from somewhere else. So you can have a positive glow from a positive school, a neutral glow from a neutral school, or a negative glow from a negative school. If you can't get a positive glow, you want a neutral glow. And a neutral glow is a school that's not well known. 
So when we're reviewing this, we look for the bones, whether we can work this into something meaningful. But if it's an online school, correspondent school, I prefer to have someone who went to a school that's not well known. Because we can then determine, we can then reposition that school to the way we rewrite the resume. Not lying, obviously, never lie in a resume, but we state the facts so clearly. We make the achievement sound so great because it's all about the way you write things that people say, hey, you know what? The school is not really well known, but look at the achievement. It's quite impressive. And that's how you position an online program. So at the end of the day, online programs are not bad. They are good for you. There are certain cases where we tell clients at Bain and McKinsey and BCG that they sometimes should do an executive MBA slash online or correspondence MBA because there's no value to them to take two years away and join at the same level. So clearly there are times when a correspondence degree makes sense. So if you have a correspondence degree or online degree, I've talked you through how the firm's going to view it. I've talked you through when a known brand is good, when an unknown brand is good, and how you need to position these things. You can get in. It's obviously harder, but definitely not impossible. And you know, firms consulting, even though we have an 80% placement rate, we don't take the easiest people. People always say, well, you have an 80% placement rate because you're taking the easiest people. That's not true. If you pay attention to our website and you see what we publish and you actually judge us based on what we do, not what you think we do, you will know we take the toughest people in the industry, the oldest people, we place them. People who have been away from the workforce for five years of maternity leave. TCO4, we have someone who left the audit profession. She was away for five years of consecutive maternity leave and we placed her into a McKinsey office. We don't take the easiest people. We take the toughest people. So our advice is really battle-tested. As always, I'm happy to respond to any comments and questions.